0: are listening to Boku No Stop, the only anime podcast derailed by multiple kidnappings. I'm your host, Fletcher (laughs) Arnett, and with me is... Matt Marcus. It's only the two of us today. And since we've already called out the lack of Chris, I have a note from him, and he has given me multiple statements for the episodes we're covering, as well as the following. Called up for my service in the Symbionese Liberation Army Reserves, Randall Hurst is still out there, and I intend to fix that. (laughs) Also, we're talking about Cyborg 009, The Cyborg Soldier, episodes 32 through 36. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: He also added a little bit where he said, oh, yeah, I actually agree with Matt all the time. I just, you know, for podcast reasons, disagree.
0: (laughs) It's true. We Uh... will put any words from Chris in the usual voice when he's absent. So uh, (laughs) expect that a couple of times.
1: Well, to be fair, last time he wasn't absent. It's just that his audio got lost. (laughs)
0: Well, I need to make sure people know that when I'm saying, this episode is more like a fart sound, it's coming from him and not me. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we're starting here with uh, episode 32, Man or Machine? Uh, which is, I, I guess, the, uh, the, the biggest question of this series, for sure.
0: <laughs> I, I definitely wonder, how do two cyborgs get on a plane? This ran in 2002. Metal detectors alone, uh-huh. y'all.
1: Uh-huh. But but also, they're so heavy. They must be so heavy. I think, like, right? Because that would yes. totally screw up the uh, the plane.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe the later ones are made with some different alloys, but I definitely think the early gen... Like, Francois alone should be massively heavy. Uh-huh.
1: And I think it's been shown before that, like, they are heavier than normal humans, at least. Uh, but it, like, is generally not... Rebar- uh, is generally not remarked upon. Uh, but I think it's come up. But yeah, it's it's a really weird... That was the first thing I noticed. It's like, why are these guys on a plane? They have a plane.
0: Yeah. But Gilmore, Francois, and Joe are on a plane. Gilmore is fretting about something. And when they land, he makes a phone call. Overseas in a real shithole of an apartment complex. And we've seen a lot of those during this series, so I'm impressed. Uh, Albert picks up. And we get the title drop. There's a pun in this that didn't really translate to the U.S., where they use the characters Ki and Kai, so the title is almost Machines Machinery. Hmm. Yeah. And Albert has the weird vanity plate of 004AH29. I have no idea if the last part is a reference. I could find nothing on it. I can't believe he still has a driver's license. You know, this is a car and not a truck. <laughs> I know, but still. He only destroys trucks. Mm, this is true. This is true. But he was asked to check out a castle on the outskirts of Triella for signs of oddity. He's heading to a, a
1: big spooky castle where he's going to fight a doppelganger. And I was like, is, is this Defog's castle from Shadow Hearts? Like, what is this?
0: And yeah, it- uh... A a second, sleeker him as his opponent in this castle, but mm-hmm. it seems to be fully robotic, and it is analyzing him to predict what he will do.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the worst, like, produced or edited episode on this show so far. This, like, screams, like, rewrites or last-second rushes, because there's a lot of like, strange cuts back to the wide shot of the castle and then coming back in at a time that doesn't make sense. Like, there's just a lot of weird stuff here.
0: I would almost call this a bottle episode, except that's not really a thing in animation. Mm-hmm. Because we only have about five characters speaking, and... <clears throat> Most of it does take place within this castle, but there's a lot of very dynamic shots during the fighting, so...
1: Yeah, it's weird, though. Like, the pacing of it is weird. There are some really cool action shots, but the pacing is super strange. uh,
0: Especially because he decides the longer this fight goes on, the more of a disadvantage he's at, so he tries to lure it out... And it terminators through a wall, grabbing him by the neck and hurling him down through the floor. And the weird thing is, it's a fake
1: out when this happens because he sees what he thinks is the robot coming down the hall, and you see an outline of a pers- uh, of the robot, and it's and then the wall uh, wall bursts out behind him with a hand, and it's like wait wait then who was that other guy?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little crazy, and this does have some spooky ghost magic type stuff used to make it make sense, but. This is yeah. where we get the flashback, because the mm-hmm. pacing is super weird, and we're now going to go back to Gilmore in his Black Ghost days, telling him, you know, we we replaced your limbs with a newer material. It's something that we didn't have when we first made you, Cyborg. And Albert gets pretty pissy. Yeah, it does mm-hmm. feel lighter. Makes me a better weapon, doesn't it? So, this is the whole... Of this episode, because when he wakes up, Gilmore is standing over him, and he just says, "Well, this was an experiment. Now I know you're going to lose against cutting-edge technology. But why won't you just let me make you a better body? Isn't it better to mm-hmm. be a masterwork weapon than some half-hearted human hybrid?" And th- this is one of
1: those scenes where it's also really weird because, like, he 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 gets knocked down in this explosion after like they they do like the the you know, <laughs> like uh. Where the two laser beams in anime tend to like meet in the middle and there's a battle, except this time it's missiles from, your, from the guy's shins. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like we're, we're glossing over the actual fight of this, uh, but there's like a lot of weird stuff. Like, I don't remember 004 having a hand saw, laser saw. Is that new? Um, I think that's only the robot. They both, they, no, the very first... Do they both uh, do it? Okay. Fight, yeah, the very first fight, because, you know, he's an exact Like, And the very first fight, they are basically doing, like, hand chops at each other with their laser blades. Hmm. <laughs> at, at, like, the bottom of their, uh, it's, like, on the side of your hand, like you're doing a karate chop, like, on, on
0: that yeah, I don't angle. think that's come up since the first episode, if it showed up before.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It That was the first thing I noticed, being like, that. that is weird. But, yeah, so the, the shot where the... Y- yeah, you know, the professor shows up in the castle like he's uh zero four is face down on the ground chin down then he looks up he sees uh gilmore talking to him and then it cuts to the wide shot of the castle cuts back in and his head is back down <laughs> and then his head comes up again <laughs> you know in the exact same animation and then he gets up and then it cuts away again and then he's back face down on the ground and gilmore's gone like the the pacing of that like 30 seconds is like endemic of what like this whole episode feels like it's kind of like it would be dreamy weemy kind of thing if there was more weird stuff happening but it just it's weird in the edit
0: yeah it doesn't go far enough into is this a spooky ghost territory yeah which it kind of needs to lean on and the whole thing is really undone at the end but uh at this point Albert has been wrecked pretty bad. He's not trying to confront his doppelganger, but he's just slowing it down. He's destroying stairways behind him. He's using his weapons only to make it take cover. And he's nearly to the exit when it leaps on him from above. And this is where everything kind of turns around, because the robot predicts the optimal move he will make and aims accordingly. Albert sees a bird's nest has been knocked loose by the combat and he ducks down and shields the birds so the rocket flies wide above him.
1: So do you think the uh, when you first see the owl, because he he sees the owl when he first walks into the the castle, it has red glowy eyes. Are we supposed to believe that that is a robot owl or is that
0: just a fake out as well? I think that is once again poor editing or something changed (laughs) during scripting and animation because yeah yeah it comes off as oh maybe this is to let someone know that something's in the castle but it's like no no it's an owl with babies
1: yeah yeah because it actually has real babies i mean i guess presumably well robots can't make children but cyborgs can but i don't know if they've made cyborg birds in this universe yet
0: uh, we have had robotic birds.
1: We've had robotic birds, but I'm like, you know, talking like cyborg birds, like partially, you know. Flesh.
0: Yeah, I think the closest we came to that was uh, the hippo from Mythos. Yeah, the fucking hippo man. The cyborg hippo. <laughs> that really happened. Mm-hmm. Why would someone do something like this? Again, I still think it's a sex thing. It has to be. If you told me black ghost scientists would make a weird sentient hippo for sex things, I'd believe you. Uh-huh. I'm honestly surprised there is not more of the perversions of black Ghost throughout this franchise. I mean, I mean, like look, literal flex, perversions.
1: Like, we literally just played through Shadow Hearts where somebody like half reanimated, half cloned somebody from old lovers DNA and an ape in order to fuck it. Like, yep. And breed. Sorry, fuck her. She has, you know. She is a person, technically.
0: <laughs> and she was designed to be fertile, which we find out. I forgot that she was supposed to be... Was she supposed to be fertile? Yeah, they said that she has way less mechanical oh. or augmentation than the rest.
1: Oh, I thought that just to mean that it was, you know, you know it was all there, but I didn't think of it as like a oh, and therefore it could have children. she could have no, children. No, they
0: they were tr- the other two apes commented on the fact that she said, oh yeah, uh, it would be great if the master could retire and have a family with her. God. Yeah. That game. That game! game that game had a, <laughs> had a troublesome third act.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Just kind of like uh, this uh, episode here.
0: Yeah. So Albert, Albert figures out that by acting irrationally, he can outwit this thing and he jukes it out, does a lot of things that it's not expected, like shallow punches, faints, etc. And he drives the robot back and in the rain. And admittedly, we've seen this castle courtyard a few times. It's quite a nice shot. It's mostly Mm -hmm. for this part where lightning finishes off the doppelganger
1: very convenient lightning hitting the tree that the doppelganger just got hit on
0: it It is the tallest thing Uh, around it makes sense it's true that is true yeah but
1: you think if it got if it was something that would get hit frequently with lightning that it would have exploded by now because that's usually what happens when a tree gets hit is it gets caught on fire
0: and like the sap explodes here's the problem it's been so long since anyone came out here for a dramatic confrontation that it hasn't had to rain that's how the tree got so big
1: Totally makes sense. I buy
0: that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're talking black ghost technology here affecting weather in this set of episodes.
0: We, oh God, we actually are. <laughs> <laughs> but and also
1: not the first time because we had the uh, the mythos arc that happens too.
0: Yes, although they were using psychics there. That was different. Yeah, a little different. Hope you like psychic shit because we've got more coming next episode. Hooray. Hooray. Uh, but Gilmore just walks out ranting and raving about this. You know, how dare you? How could a cyborg defeat my robot? You half-baked, and we do another one of those cuts outside the castle that Matt has commented on, and we just hear gunshots.
1: That time it works, though, because something other than just looking at how spooky the castle is and looking at the weather, uh, this is the only time where it actually seems like it's trying to show a thing, uh, or at least make it more dramatic, and yeah, we find out that, uh, that the professor here is also a robot because uh, 004 says, yeah, no, um, the real professor would never set up this kind of stupid
0: um, test of machinery. And then he just kind of gripes that rain is terrible on a mechanical body and makes his Mm -hmm. way out. I I don't know if
1: that's like a badass line or just it feels really silly. Like the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like trying to... do like a silly mic drop thing because they're going to rust out in the thing. And then I realized, oh wait, no, he also has a metal body. So it's yeah.
0: kind of a joke. I I think that's just him actually bemoaning it because he's commented before that yeah. you know, when my body works great, I don't think of it as anything but I have a body. Whenever it True. breaks down. Yeah, no, that's that's actually... Yeah, that makes a lot yeah. s- of sense. As human as he is, he's still way closer to this crap than he wants to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we uh, we close out with the other three cyborg, well, the two cyborgs and an old man at a cafe, and Albert just walks right up to them. Except he's still completely scuffed up and damaged from this, because he clearly drove from here to meet them. Joe goes, what the hell happened to you? Ah, just some trouble. mm <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is where I have my main Chris note for the episode, because we find out Gilmore's call at the airport was not to Albert. He was upset all along the flight he might not have unplugged an iron and called Chang to check. This is so fucking stupid, and it undercuts a good concept episode at the last minute.
1: I mean, the thing that it, the reason why this is stupid is that the show tricks you on purpose to think that this is a setup. Yeah. I mean, it is a setup anyway because you know it it is a trap but like what happens is Gilbert goes to make the phone call he makes the phone call and then the next shot is um, is Albert picking up the phone talking to who he thinks is the professor and it just so happens like that they're going to you know going to see him in Germany which is like they didn't signal that either yeah or like there, there were so many ways in which like there were like several assumptions that had to have been made in order for the editing of the show to make any sense other than just to say oh it's a fake out it's
0: also so weird also weird is where françois begins teasing gilmore about doing his own housework and saying he needs a bride nice one only female character she's such a trad wife it's ridiculous and then even stranger you want a weird joke this is the weird joke this is where Al- yeah this is where it goes real weird albert just goes isn't that chang though and cue a weird scene of Chang and drag, and the episode ends on a raging, blushing Gilmore. hmm But there's either an ad-lib or a flub left in the English dub here, where Gilmore's VA says, I'm not getting married, especially not to Kramer and drag. And this is referencing Steve Kramer, the voice actor who played 006. This is probably one of the weirdest dub notes in anime history that doesn't involve Angel Cop. That's very funny. It's yeah. it's still on these Blu-rays. Oh I yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh
1: yeah, and the funny thing, I mean look, we all know Gilmore is a confirmed bachelor. That yeah. is his thing. So Yeah.
0: This is a generally sexless universe, but it it kind of fits. So whenever we have moments like this, the whole thing gets strange. Yeah, yeah, it's very weird.
1: That takes us to episode thirty three. Uh, it says here "crystallized time," but my the, the DVD or Blu Ray says uh, "frozen
0: time." The translation in the subs was "crystallized time." The menu uses a lot of the U.S. names so yeah, I basically yeah. just pick whichever one sounds better when I use these notes
1: yeah later on like the last episode we're talking about here is called frozen ground so like the redundancy of that probably means crystallized crystallized time is the better name for this for sure
0: this is my favorite episode in the series
1: <laughs> it's okay this is where I gotta like put on my Chris voice here it's like it's conceptually cool but there's just n- no point to it <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I will just read off Chris's note in the abstract. Frozen time is interesting, but none of the characters have enough interiority to make it gel for me. I think it might be a cast size problem. Yeah, I,
1: I'll put in my, my thoughts at the end, but I generally agree with this. Uh, like I think this is a, a, a cool setup and in some ways they think it through, but it, For me, it raises a lot more questions, and at the end of the day, I really don't know what was the point of it.
0: This will actually have consequences. Cool. Yeah. Um, But let's let's just get into the actual meat of it. Uh, This is basically cyborg body horror from a way that we haven't seen before, because we've seen Albert being horrified that he's... Less man than machine, we've seen Francois angry that she's a weapon of war and can't really be a pacifist because she swept up all this, etc. This is Gilmore goes to perform some maintenance on Joe's accelerator. He does his work, starts writing a note on the desk nearby. Elsewhere in town, a truck driver nods off and his vehicle slams into a clothing store uh a family is around and a few of the cyborgs who are at a diner on that street get involved because they hear the noise. Well, that's the tr- a,
1: they're at Ching's
0: restaurant. Yeah, they're, they're I'm just saying they're down the street from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz the, the that family was at the restaurant and there was a cute little scene where uh GB is like making his face turn into different animals for the little girl and when the father turns around he's back to normal. Yeah. Uh, although he does have a really smug look on him that makes him look really creepy in that moment. <laughs>
0: I mean, if you were the parent of a child around GB, you would also probably have your hackles up. That guy just gives off uh-huh. weird vibes. Like he—he he just needs like
1: those really big like Coke bottle glasses, and he'd be like full creep
0: looking. Yeah, or a small mustache. Or yes, small thin mustache for sure. Yep. Uh so all of the cast are on the street. The truck's fuel lines catch. An explosion is imminent. And time stops. So Joe wakes up and he's hearing nothing. It begins to dawn on him he is stuck in accelerator mode and he can't turn it off. The switch in his teeth won't do anything. He's trying to figure out what to do, but no one can respond to him. Uh, it becomes apparent real quick he's moving far faster than usual some people have done the math he might be going faster than light speed right now Mm -hmm. and he can literally stand on the waves on the beach without disrupting the surface tension if he touches anything it heats up or melts or combusts instantly yeah the, the thing is they play a little fast and loose at this I feel because, I
1: mean, for one thing, he drops the interesting note that the clothes that he wears are all made by uh, Gilmore because otherwise they would instantly burst into flame <laughs> the second he tries to use accelerator mode. Because yeah. of, he, he calls out it's the air friction that's causing it. And uh, But, like, when he walks on the beach and, like, tries to throw that rock into the water, like, the rock stops, but it doesn't, like, start to glow or melt or anything we'd only run into that later when he's in town and tries to move a piece of paper that's been suspended in air and which immediately bursts into flame
0: he he has to, this is also put in place because it's going to make the next part challenging wherein Joe is stuck in this moment of time for what is over a month to him yeah and he's wandering around the town he sees The crashed truck, he sees the explosion starting, he sees all of his friends directly there. He cannot move any of these people out of the way. He cannot move most objects, because they will melt or warp or be damaged. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to solve the puzzle of what to do to save those people. And this is going so slowly... that he starts hallucinating in the middle of this month. He's hearing Mm -hmm. the voices of people around him. Eventually, the only thing he can use to judge time is that he sees a jet moving slowly at a snail's pace across the sky. They really do a good job selling, like, how
1: horrifying the situation is in that, like, there's just, you're completely, even though everyone is still there, you, you are essentially completely alone, and you really can't touch anything. But the thing is, it's again, it raises more questions. Like, he's there for a month. Does he need to eat food? Does he need to drink water? Like, he's partially still flesh and blood. And also, he can't move those things because, you know, he tries to eat something. I'm sure it just turns into, like, coal or whatever. <laughs> like, like I, I have no idea, like... How does he survive what is... Because his body's running... I assume his body's running in, like, normal speed while he's in accelerator mode, right? Because otherwise nothing makes sense. So he should be dead.
0: I hadn't actually considered that, but, yeah, that does kind of break the concept of the episode if we go that far.
1: Yeah, I don't, like... Mm. Unless there's, like, something, like, earlier where they said, like, okay, they don't really need to eat or drink. Like, it's just kind of a human thing, and, like, it's nice to have, but, like, they can live off of whatever... Like, I'm sure, like, you know, Gilmore probably knew this was a possibility and, you know, probably oh, had did. some kind of fail. Yeah, he did. And, like, had some kind of fail safe in there being like, eh, well, this is so he doesn't starve to death that he gets stuck and dive.
0: You know, technically, there is that whole thing about nutrient pipes in the body. So let's just presume it's something to do with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really, like, material to the episode at all. It's just this is where my mind goes when... You set up this interesting scenario, and you set in certain rules, but then you take those rules to their logical conclusion, and it gets a little weird.
0: And so, eventually, yeah, you know, he's he's having a breakdown in Frozen Time, but the finale is he does save the people on the street, eventually... Mm-hmm. He's back at the house, and he's just bemoaning everything, and Francois hears him and goes, Oh, you're out on the balcony now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's when he realizes he's adjusted back to normal time. Yeah. So we cut to the street, and we see how he saved everyone. He dug a hole under the people nearest to the blast, so they fell in underneath it, and he broke open a water tower nearby so that when time started again, it would just douse all the flames. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and, like, he grabbed a, uh, like, a a metal bar that was holding up a, uh, like, a a big ad sign on the top of a building. And, like, you know, it glows red hot, and it's, like, red hot in his hands as he is, like, digging this hole because of the, the friction. Like, it's pretty
0: hardcore. Yeah, it's... A lot of things were considered in this episode. Like, how do we solve this puzzle we've set up? Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see the note about... None Joe doesn't really have enough of an internal monologue to get anything other than, oh no, it's it's causing psychological stress, but yeah, we don't really see anything other than the hallucinations. Mm-hmm. However, we do get uh there's a there's a B story throughout this whole episode that Gilmore has been writing a note that says, Dear Joe, and He's writing it at such a pace that every so often Joe can see another few letters or strokes or words and none of it is answering anything. So finally, when he comes out of time, he walks inside and goes, uh, what were you writing down? And Gilmore just goes, oh, I was warning you, the maintenance might have some side effects while the accelerator recalibrated, but it's clear that you didn't need it. And Joe just gives the most unhinged laugh in both dub and sub.
1: <laughs>
0: <What's so> funny? <laughs> 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 is that is
1: that how the, the dub works? Because the sub says something different. Uh, what does it say for you? So what it said here was, uh, oh, if I was writing a note that if you wake woke up early, that uh, the yeah, that the accelerator was recalibrating, but it'll go away on its own. It'll correct itself over time. Yes. Yeah. So it was the the gist of it being that uh, this was expected. Like, this is what he was going to be going through, but he thought he was just going to sleep through it all. But in case you woke up early, just don't worry about it. And (laughs) which is like such a fuck you (laughs) to this entire thing.
0: that but yeah yeah that this la- the episode prior i've been saying there's an arc for gilmore maybe think about his sort of casual inhumanities maybe write that note first yeah <laughs> maybe just
1: have it ready just in case you know something goes wire yeah the the thing is yeah joe at the end like you know he kind of walks off on his own to get some air everyone thinks he's like weird because he just burst out into weird hysterical laughter and he cries a single tear And the episode ends. And, you know, one of the things like the the lowest point in the frozen time part of this is that he's like, oh, you know, saying how he's so alone, but that's fine. He grew up. He was all alone. He was alone for so long. Why is it so hard for him now? And then it just that's at the point where he realizes time starts going forward normally again, just about like at least the way it's shown in the show.
0: When he's finally resigned to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the thing that gets me about this is I feel like what they really are trying to do is, like you know, just like the last episode, it's a character study. Like we really needed this event to have an effect on the character for, you know, for either Joe or Albert to realize something about themselves and come to terms with it or like grow. And it just doesn't seem like in either case that that actually follows through. Especially in this one, because it just feels like he gets really lonely and then it stops and then he was told it was all just, there was no point to it. It was just going to happen like that anyway. Uh, sorry, bro. And then he just laughs about it and then he moves on. Like, there's just, I, I feel like, I'm, I'm glad to hear that this comes back in a certain way later on. But, like, just watching
0: this episode by itself, I go like, well, that was pointless.
1: It was cool, but it was pointless
0: i love me some body horror and psychological horror and this is an episode tailor made for me because it is just what if we take these powers that you have that are so far beyond mortal men and we turn it into what if this is the ultimate monkey's paw curse
1: what if gb gets stuck in one of the animals he turns
0: into they like... don't ever go <laughs> that far with him, but yeah, that would be a good one. What if his circuit starts breaking? Yeah. What if my dude Whoa. gets tardist
1: <laughs> What if G Jr. loses his connection to the earth? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, that just means Black Ghost is around. That's what he can tell. I know, I know. It's just, like, try, trying to do that for
1: every single one of these
0: th- uh,
1: <laughs> cyborgs. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I think like what would be interesting to see like what what would Francois do if she loses her sense, her ability to sense things, or something like. There, there are other ways you could do similar things. Like, obviously, if you went through every single one of them, it'd be ridiculous, yeah, uh, and get really silly. But it also the weird part about this is, this all feels like very what would, should be very early sort of world establishing, character establishing episodes that are happening very late mm-hmm. in the show.
0: So a thing that's happening in season two is in season one, they were on the run. They were just Mm. doing maintenance to keep everyone functioning. Now Gilmore is idle and Gilmore has time to tinker.
1: Yeah. But also like there are multiple, like, you know, we had the aliens episode, which was like a two parter, you know, there, there were other things that were more that could have been pushed later in the production. And then you have these ones a little earlier that are sort of like, you know, these guys just realize that they have to live for the rest of their lives like this. And here are some of the consequences of that. And this is some of their personal growth. It just feels like a weirdly placed set of episodes. And I, and we don't see as far as I've gone, at least in the show, like we don't see any other episodes like this for any other character for, you know, up until the end.
0: We're going to get a couple more standalones in the next block, but we're also going to kick off the push to the final arc.
1: Yeah, because it feels like they set up the the beginning of the final arc in Frozen Ground. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: in fact, the very first episode we do, next recording session, is basically going to be a holiday filler special. And then it's going to go into an arc that begins with an episode called Black Ghost Lives. (laughs) Subtle. Yeah. (laughs) But we're Uh, not there yet. Right now we are at episode 34, The Pharaoh Virus.
1: (laughs) The first note uh, on this episode is just colonizers.
0: I didn't take many on this one because this (laughs) this is a very... This is actually a pretty good action standalone. Yeah, it is. but there's not a lot of plot here. It's just you get very pulp novel every five minutes something has happened mm-hmm. until the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the first thing though that I think is funny is like they're they're in Cairo, they're in a museum. Uh, it's uh, you know Joe, Francois, and Gilmore. And they run into uh, one. I, I assume it is one of uh, Gilmore's former coworkers at Black Ghost, um, Herschel, Doctor Herschel. Uh, I suspect
0: what... this guy was not Black Ghost. I think this was just, hey, before I turned to the side of evil, I okay. knew other scientists.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, what? it wouldn't surprise me if the two of them, uh, you know, met at Temple because <laughs>
0: yeah, <that laughs> with a name like Herschel, track. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, no, this guy is extremely Jewish, uh, at least to me he is, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an interesting episode because it feels very, yeah, it feels very pulpy.
0: Yeah, this could have been a a series of film reels because every few minutes a new complication has come up, and then if you were to just cut it off and go, oh, you have the cliffhanger for the next one. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, We don't have a lot of notes here just because it is kind of beat to beat with some action in between. Uh, We start out with a museum and a history of Tutankhamun's tomb. Long story short, they talk about the ancient curse and everyone thinks, yeah, it was probably some virus preserved in the mummy and this is what made everyone ill. And And that's what
1: Herschel is like... Herschel is specifically there because bacteria is breaking down the mummy and he's supposed to be uh, helping preserve the mummy without like, I guess, mummifying it further. I I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's very hard to decontaminate a mummy without doing anything destructive. Uh, If you ever look into art preservation or some of what they have Mm -hmm. to do with paintings, imagine that with flesh.
1: Yeah, yeah and it, it is notable that he uh he being the mummy is holding a uh, clutch of uh of these specific flowers that are local to Egypt and francois is like there's a whole bit where Herschel says oh yeah that was uh, put uh put on him by uh his wife uh and francois is like oh she must have been so sad in the moment uh that she put these flowers on on her dead husband's body and there's a whole bit where like Herschel goes like oh don't worry they were you know they were they were married at like 9 and 11 to each other don't worry they were very happy together
0: yeah (laughs) like wait that's not the problem (laughs) this episode goes Weirdly in depth on the history of Tutankhamun and this, pi- uh-huh. this actual pyramid until the adventure begins.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because he looks at he says like, oh, they were definitely happy together. Check out this relief in the side of the tomb where they show they're happy together. And I'm like, yeah, there's there's absolutely no propagandistic reason why somebody would carve this into the side of a tomb of a king. <laughs> It's like it's not like Melania and Trump standing next to each other pretending to smile and be a couple like that. They have no ulterior motive to pretend
0: that. Ah, the lesser common theory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God, I mean, like, we're also talking like we're like what? Like a week out since uh, the whole like, yeah, doppelganger thing for Melania was the going on. The doppelganger
0: thing has been going for a few years of this presidency, but it's oh, really okay. kicked up lately.
1: Yeah. What? What the fuck? <laughs> really? Like, that's that's what we care about now.
0: You know, here's the thing. In terms of wild presidential scandals, did JFK have Marilyn Monroe killed is one thing. Did the president's wife die and were using body doubles to conceal that until the election is a whole wilder scam.
1: Oh, I I just assumed the doppelganger thing was Melania wants nothing to do with her husband and refuses to go out places in public with him. (laughs)
0: No, the, the theory, especially as of oh late, is God. that, oh, she, she's dead of the virus, but they can't let on.
1: Honestly, if they replace Melania with another similar-looking woman, I don't think Trump would notice.
0: Also probably <laughs> true. <laughs> uh. Anyway, back to the actual story. Uh, so terrorists want to make a fucking bioweapon out of this mummy, deploy it on Cairo and possibly other major worldwide centers and control the flower that seems to be a vaccine or cure for it.
1: Yeah, like the weird part is how they figure this out, right? So they, you know, they're talking about the curse and they say that like, oh yeah, all these people related to the dig died, except for like
0: the main guy. Sir Edmund Hammond, I think, who was an actual figure.
1: Yeah, he's like, he said he lived to the ripe old age of 65. Uh. What they notice is that he always wore that flower on his boutonniere, And that they presume that that is what kept him alive. And so he didn't die of the curse or the the virus.
0: So they do study the lock that Mm -hmm. the mummy was holding. It's like, yep, this seems to have antiviral properties. But then someone has harvested all of the fields of this flower. All the flowers
1: are gone. All of them. It's, It's cartoonish how much it's just like there used to be flowers here. Oh, yeah. Some guys just showed up and took all of them yep (laughs) uh also like shout outs to the uh to the doctor that's helping out here who has like like the rasputin chin um little beard thing and like what looks like sunglasses they're not actually sunglasses but it looks like he's wearing sunglasses the whole time he gets a couple of like important shots in this episode
0: they're not actually sunglasses which is how you know that he's a real doctor and not a black ghost scientist because, uh-huh. as we all know, if I were to live in this world, I would be employed by Black Ghost. Oh, for sure, for sure. I we I wear dark sunglasses all the time, like I'm fucking Char <laughs> Uh And
1: well, also there's a they find out there was a um, a guy working on the team. The one guy who is missing from and and not sick is uh it was a mole for this uh what they call what is it the Alexandria Company? Yeah. Like, they're yeah. named, and I don't think they'll ever come up
0: again. <laughs> they won't. They they get destroyed this episode.
1: Yeah. Um
0: So, most of the groundwork is being done by Joe and Francois, and the terrorists have a bomb of this virus designed to just aerosolize over Cairo. They have plants made that are refining the flowers into vaccine and cure so they're they're covered but they're gonna set this off and kick off the whole plan and joe and francois follow in one of the mini jets with francois deciding uh you know what you can just keep flying i'm gonna leap down onto this like my name is fujiko mine (laughs) and she jumps on top of this plane and starts solid snaking her way through it with her senses like she's
1: so like unusually hardcore like th- there's a really like the the shot that i i remember the most out of this and it was in like the next time on so that that's why i like was like what's going on here uh francois gets snuck up on by a guard and she like does a drop sweep kick to like get out from um, you know from yeah. under gunpoint and it like it actually looks really good but i'm like she's the not fighter what is going on here
0: well that's she could just tell herself she's showing off her sick ballet moves and he tripped. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. No, she's very <laughs> have you seen motivated what I can do? by
0: Yeah. But she seems very
1: like motivated here by this idea of the young love between Tutankhamen and his wife. I think that's really the thing that's motivating her here. It's very weird. I, I do have to call out uh there's one really cool shot when they're going out to uh, check out the deal with the flowers. Uh, uh Joe and uh, Francois are in a Jeep. And, you know, she has this, like, very 70s neckerchief on. And Joe always looks very 70s with, like, his big lapels. And uh, the the two of them, like, driving with sunglasses on, like, just looks like really, uh, like, 70s action spy thriller in a way that's really cool.
0: Yeah, that's probably going to be the episode art for this one, because I decided against the other choice I had. What was the other choice? Uh, I was going to use the shot where she was leaping down from the plane.
1: Okay, there's a really funny bit, though, when she's (laughs) she's she's uh, what is it? Uh, Doctor Strange loving the bomb.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, she does have to cling to the bomb in the bay as it's about to be dropped, trying to disarm the uh, explosive that will set off the mister.
1: Yeah. Uh, And like when she falls off it, uh, like there's a scream that goes by like (laughs) really quickly in the audio. It's just unintentionally funny. And there's a really cool shot too. like, yeah, the bomb. She tries to defuse the bomb before it goes off. And yeah, she basically unplugs a couple of things so that it doesn't um, release up in the air. It actually doesn't open up at all. Uh, yeah, but it there's just, a cool it's shot. now
0: just a bomb full of virus, but it's not doing anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Joe manages to save Francois as she's falling and the bomb like crashes through like what I think it was like a like a spinneret of like probably a, uh, a mosque or something and then lands on a truck yep. a, in a way that's like, it's actually very well animated, uh, especially for this show. <laughs> and yeah, then for some this... reason, like a, a tiny bulldog and a bird flo- you know, run through the town. I, I had no idea what that was about.
0: Oh, that's a Jojo's reference. Yes, it is. <laughs> tiny bull and a, or tiny bulldog and a bird in Cairo. Yeah. I know what's going on there. <laughs> uh, huh. <laughs>
1: Uh, that episode's really good, those two episodes, uh, I think. Pet, pet but, you know, Iggy bones. sucks. <laughs> yeah, that, that show got really good for, like, the last ten episodes after, like, a whole lot of, like, really questionable quality. Here,
0: here, I'll do the thing that I'm sure a couple of our listeners have been waiting for. Yeah, I heard they're doing a spinoff of Part 4 on Netflix just as an OVA this coming year. Guess what? what? I still think Part 4 sucks, and I'm not touching it.
1: I'm going to be honest— I am eight or nine episodes into part four. Like, I just watched the Let's Go Eat Italian and, like, that episode's fun and all, but, like, I just don't... This just doesn't sell me on any sense of stakes compared to the last three arcs.
0: No, I think think part four is way too up its own ass on this town is charming, and if that does not gel for you, you will hate it. It just feels very
1: small. I mean, it literally is small, but, like, it just doesn't... It hasn't sold me on any of the characters being significantly entertaining on top of that. Like, I don't... Yeah, it... I haven't gone very far. I'll go back to finishing it at some point, but I'm, I'm taking a break from it because it just hasn't been grabbing me. Um. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't
0: think you've met the manga artist yet. Everyone talks about the manga artist, but yeah, I haven't. That's the character who's getting a spinoff, and it's basically his travelogue around the world in different locales. Okay. I think they said it's a four-episode OVA, so it's like, all right, that's... You know what? That's an interesting concept. That's a way you can revisit something earlier without breaking the plot of other stuff. But I don't know if I care enough. Yeah,
1: I'll probably watch it once I finish the the rest of uh, Season 3 slash Part 4.
0: I need to finish that. We The house stalled out on it because everyone was watching other things and there's been anxiety over the world right now but yeah i need to finish that just so i can get to golden wind and the best stand
1: i i'm not gonna ask what that is because i want to be surprised
0: oh i'm just going to give you the name king crimson
1: i mean i've heard of king crimson i mean that has to be good it's called king crimson (laughs) i know right
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's all you need uh yeah but yeah uh final uh, final note on the pharaoh virus a uh, we see that off screen all the other cyborgs who were not involved in this plot raided the bioterrorist compound and captured everyone so that's a good use of where was the rest of the crew mm-hmm.
1: yeah because uh, they said uh, like we don't have time to like tell the others we just need to go and the others did good cleanup work and then they replant all the flowers
0: yeah and I have Chris's notes here this is my vote for the best standalone good pacing a sense of stakes and some action and it still works as a team episode even if francois is getting the moments to shine
1: yeah i think that mostly sells it the The funniest part to me about this episode though is like we haven't seen punma in a while like he hasn't even been around and yeah. he's in this episode and he's about to go with joe to like go after the uh the bad guy's plane and then francois is like no let me go <laughs> Yes. And, every, and they're like, sure. And so I'm like, yeah. Puma gets to do nothing
0: again. Puma will get some arcs. Mm-hmm. Turns I wish out, they, wish they used it more. Turns out, there's only a couple people who can do deep sea stuff. So if we happen to end up on the ocean, you know who's going to shine.
1: Well, the funny thing is that the episodes that are really about him and his <clears> backstory have nothing to do with the ocean.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's because he wasn't born underwater. It's true.
1: Uh, somebody, you know, if this went long enough, somebody would have created like a cyborg, like computer topia whatever thing, you know, to be Atlantis, because you know, that seems to be
0: like on track with this show. Uh, from memory, you're going to get something similar. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Bioshock or On and- the Moon. Ooh,
1: sweet. Ah, I miss my thumbs. Well, I guess so, Bioshock 4 on the moon. Isn't that just like Wolfenstein 2?
0: It's also kind of Prey. Prey was the Bioshock 4 on the moon we never knew we wanted. That's true. I need to play that game.
1: I own it's very it, but I haven't, I haven't played it yet. I have so many games I need to catch up on now that the election is
0: basically over. Yeah, same. I haven't played any game that isn't Demon Crawl for like a month. Dude, I haven't played a game
1: until I, like, played the first four hours of Xenosaga for those first couple of episodes. I had not played a game since July.
0: Right, right. Never mind. Scratch that. (laughs) I haven't played a game recreationally save Demon Crawl for a month. I've been playing too much (laughs) Xenosaga.
1: There's so much Xenosaga. Well, the funny thing is, like, my... My uh, almost done uh, save file is only forty-two hours, and that like is very surprising to me, considering how much time I even put into Shadow Hearts.
0: Oh yeah, it's a short it's game, short, especially yeah. if you're skipping cutscenes. It's maybe twenty hours of gameplay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah.
1: Well, that takes us to episode thirty-five, City of the Wind.
0: So uh, I have one of Chris's two notes here. More like City of Fart Button sound effect. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't argue. I definitely think that while I like one detail of this, this is the weak link this week.
1: You know it's trying to go for something, and like I can see the parts of it that are like really strong, but just in execution it's just not that interesting.
0: I don't know. So I said the last one feels like a pulp adventure serial. This feels like an old men's adventure comic from the 60s, or maybe one of the Carl Barks, Scrooge McDuck stories. Oh, yeah, for sure. A modern-day adventure capitalist named Van Allen has vanished in South America searching for what is basically El Dorado, a city of gold. GB knows the guy because he was once a backer of his troop years ago, so he feels obligated to go look for the guy, and most of the cast have come along for this because it's like, hey, you know, where one of us goes, all of us go, and it's not like any of us are doing anything this week.
1: I I love the bit where GB defends him as, like, one of the good ones when it comes to rich people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This (laughs) dude is basically portrayed how Scrooge McDuck is, and that they're like, yes, most men who are this wealthy get that way on exploitation, but this guy gives back. It's always they yeah. give back. Yeah, they never
1: mention how he made his money, just that uh, he's been using his money to go on these adventures, and somehow that's better than being a, a Novo Riche who just, I guess, buys expensive cars or something.
0: <laughs> and it's pretty clear based on his design, they were aiming for Richard Branson.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> At least that's that's how i read it uh he i-, I guess he seemed less playboyish,
0: yeah, but in terms of yeah. the gray hair, the facial structure, and just the yeah, striking yeah, yeah. figure i could, i, could, I, I, I definitely think the guy who is known for spending his money on weird stunts and adventures is probably what they wanted
1: yeah uh, you'd think though that that kind of person would want press around, and uh, there's not a lot of press on this, uh, expedition good for, you know, luckily. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they mention um, we, we see it happen really quickly. Uh, the scene where the, um, the crew meets, finds like the crew being the, the, um, this rich guy and his pals, uh, they see the, uh, the golden pyramid. They see the woman singing with one of the few more egregious, like here are some breasts shots in the series. Yes. Uh, because there's, there's a uh, there's a woman in a white dress and she's singing and she kind of looks like Artemis, but not exactly.
0: Uh, <laughs> Yet yeah, she has that artificial face that they've used on a few cyborgs and things. And they're going to use
1: on a little girl next episode or like the, the episode after this. Uh, the last one here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the sand it, when you're watching it, like the sand kicks up the screen goes sort of like, you know, washed out and then it comes back and we see the cyborgs and they say it's been a month since they disappeared.
0: However, Francois is already starting to figure out something's not right because something in this area is dulling her senses, which, you know, we've seen before. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm just tired, she says, and I'm very upset because Francois, Mm -hmm. damn it, you're good at your job. Believe in yourself.
1: Yeah, I feel like too often they want to, like, create more suspense, so they say, oh, I just, I don't think it, it could be the obvious of something is happening. You know, this is the equivalent in JoJo's being, like, nobody guessing that this weird stuff is a stand.
0: <laughs> who could, the, who could be the stand user? Three kids who look like they're out of Charlie Brown and a motherfucker who walked off a fashion stove voguing over his spine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, there's a whole lot of, like, there are times in which in JoJo's, they are extremely suspicious, and there are times when they're not suspicious at all. And both cases, it's 100% a stand.
0: Who in this bar could be the stand user? A bunch of drunks and a guy with metal eye plates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So the next day, they discover a dude who is made out of beards, and... <laughs>
1: He Joe. looks like you know what he looks like to me? He looks like the uh the prisoners in uh Metal
0: Slug. Yes. That's a very good description. <laughs> if this guy was only wearing boxer shorts it would be complete. Yeah, cuz you only see his nose
1: like, yep. poking out. Uh and the thing is this guy he, he's dying, but he should be really dead cuz it's been a month and he probably hasn't eaten anything.
0: Well, he was likely hiding out. From what we're gonna find out, wrecked the rest of the crew. Yeah. But because this whole thing has come back into reality and phased in with the Earth, Joe wanders off and meets Princess Exhibit, and she walks out of a golden <laughs> pyramid.
1: <laughs> I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name either. That's that's as good as I'm gonna get.
0: <laughs> they okay, so it is spelled X Q U I C. And yeah, I I just refer to her in these notes as exhibit because that's what my spell check turned everything into.
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's more or less offensive than just saying it wrong.
0: <laughs> well, you'd think it's pronounced exqueak, but that's not what they say.
1: No, and it's probably a language that uh we might not be able to look up. I don't know. Um
0: Yeah, I'm unsure if it's based on actual linguistics. I I mean, I knew a guy named Oaxaca growing up, which, if you are unfamiliar with that part of Mexico, is spelled O-A-X-A-C-A and pronounced Oaxaca. But this is a whole other level beyond that. I'm just going to Google how do you pronounce that. Yeah, give it a go. (laughs) I'm just curious. So... In another universe, Josie's exhibit catch the attention of the Cobra con and she runs towards it to save him, vanishing in a dust storm.
1: They say is quick. Is like quick? quick? Yeah, it's what the, the Google is telling me.
0: All right. So, GB is having a rough one here because he just had to bury one of his oldest friends and a bunch of innocent people. They've found the bodies of the crew.
1: Yeah, and... it's hardcore, too. like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, G- GB, like when, when the guy died in his arms, the one the guy they found alive, um, you know, he, he gives like a usual Christian prayer. And then when the, they do like the mask, gra- well, not mass grave, but like they bury everybody else. Like he says a passage from one of the, the plays that this guy uh, helped fund. Um,
0: yeah, that he that the guy liked. Uh, this is one of Chris's comments on the episode. This is the part where Internet Atheist GB starts performing a bunch of prayers over corpses, and that doesn't feel right at all.
1: It is a little inconsistent.
0: Yes. However, GB is also very pissed about this because he just buried one of his oldest friends. And then Joe comes back and goes, wow, everybody, I had a great day and I met a cute girl. And (laughs) GB and Albert both are just like, you know, this seems like the story of the siren. And you're a sailor right now, Joe. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah, like, while
1: everyone is uh, burying bodies, uh, he just went on a date.
0: (laughs) Wow, I was (laughs) on a
1: date! And it was cool, and there was a robot. (laughs) I was gonna say, it it was a really fun date, and then her dad showed up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, the next day, everyone hangs around Joe, because they're like, alright, the plot's following you, buddy. (laughs) And when the city and the princess appear again... GB nearly murders her on sight because it's like, you killed my friend. But Mm -hmm. what Exhibit spells out is this. Van Allen and his men arrived, saw the Golden Pyramid. Everyone not named Van Allen immediately went into a frenzy and started trying to loot. As a result, the giant beast Cabrican murdered the lot of them, and Exhibit didn't try too hard to stop it. Mm Mm-hmm. But she's lonely, and apparently she can only appear in the world of men when wind blows through peculiarly carved rock structures in the area made by the creators. Mm -hmm. This is why the pyramid keeps vanishing and appearing in gusts of wind, and why there's an oddly enchanting sound.
1: (laughs) And and those will stay there for all of time. Yep.
0: (laughs) So Cabricon rolls up again. And unlike a bunch of old dudes and greedy pricks, five cyborgs fuck it up pretty fast.
1: And the funny thing is, like, Joe goes into um, accelerator mode. There's a couple of fun things that happen in this fight. For one, like, Joe goes in accelerator mode, shoots it in the eyes, and then you see that there's just, it's a, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a hole in its neck where you see the wiring. And then when it gets back up, like they go, shoot it in its neck hole, which is just... <laughs> just sounds very funny to me. Uh, And then um, the the fastball special.
0: Yes, they do actually reference the fastball special, which, if you are unaware, is when Colossus of the X-Men throws Wolverine at something.
1: (laughs) Except this time it is G. Jr. throwing Albert and uh, because he's trying to shoot it in the neck hole. And uh, the funny thing is he gets batted away uh, by a hand and he manages to shoot, you know, get the shot off after like doing a backflip. So it's not just he gets thrown up and shoots like they added a little extra flourish to it.
0: Yeah. Again, you notice we're not saying that, oh, yeah, they're really crapping out on the animation. This whole chunk is a bunch of filler. This is pretty good show in terms of effort to uh, animation ratio. Well,
1: I would I would say I didn't mention it, but in the uh, in the castle episode, there's two different shots where uh, Albert is panting. And it's a single static shot of Albert with his uh, mouth open, and it just bounces up and down while, while there's breathing noises on top. <gasps> That's yeah. as low as it goes. That, um, that is
0: as low as it goes. And I guess we did call out at the time that one is edited like crap. So who knows what happened there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it, it probably had to be a deadline thing. But yeah, yeah. like the, the what what fight stuff we have in this episode is actually pretty good.
0: It's, and, and very
1: short like it's it's not like dragged out a lot
0: yeah this this whole last bit is maybe seven episodes with some monologues before and after mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so cabracon gets destroyed it's a machine turns out exhibit is a machine too but she's composed of self-repairing nanobots mm-hmm. basically meaning she can't die yeah wild and Cabricon is destroyed, but it takes out the rocks in its flailing assault, so... exhibit it has
1: eyes in its head, because it shoots lasers out of its eyes. That's yes. how it attacks things. But also, it has eyes in its palms.
0: And that's how it continues to attack them after they blow up the obvious head. They take a minute to figure it out. Yeah. But Exhibit and the Pyramid disappear forever.
1: Yeah, like, the weird th- Okay there's a lot of weird things about this episode like conceptually you know from a from a high view it's very similar in a way to like the last couple where it's like or at least especially the last one where it's like it's existential dread right like just how horrifying would it be to be stuck in your own dimension by yourself with your overbearing robot dad
0: well that's Uh, that's part of why joe is going so hard in the paint for her because he's just done frozen time
1: yeah exactly okay that that i buy like, but I feel like it doesn't, it didn't occur to me watching this, both times I watched it, uh, that that was the connection he was making. Because really, what he goes hard than the paint for is that robots have souls, or they can have souls.
0: He does do that, but he says, uh, you, you don't know what kind of feelings something can develop over who knows how many years of solitude. Yeah. He's harping on the fact that we just doomed her to an existence out of phase with reality alone.
1: But here's the thing. They have super science. They can recreate those little arches. They should be able to figure out how to do it. Right?
0: Like, that couldn't be that hard. Well, it depends, because we don't ever get any confirmation on whether she was made by ancient Nazca aliens, or if this was some black ghost side experiment. This never comes back back so right she could have been made by space gods and that's way beyond us yeah i just think like look if you what happens if you
1: had a recording of the sound of the wind going through the stones and you played that really loud would that do it i don't know but like it doesn't seem like all it sets up is just that this thing that create that created a sound when the wind blew is gone therefore it'll never happen again and i'm like you could probably recreate that
0: yeah, just get one of those uh, Dark Knight Bullet Recreator machines. Use it on the stones.
1: I <laughs> uh, just have uh, uh, what is what is his name, Josuke? Who who is who is the JoJo number four? Yeah, Josuke. Yeah, just have him like you know put it back together.
0: <laughs> but he made it wrong. <laughs> Oops, this one turns her into like something green. I don't know why. It just color shifts. Blech. It's like we busted an RGB cable. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's a very... Yeah, it's a very sad episode, yeah, because, like, you have... For one thing, you have, like, at least, like, a dozen dead humans.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, there's a body count outside of the person you might have ambiguous feelings on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other weird thing is that, like, Francois feels, uh, like, a little bit like she's showing jealousy. Like, I... That may be... I may be bringing stuff to that but it just feels a lot like you know joe says hey by the way i met this cute girl and she goes like oh i have a a bad feeling about this woman and then when joe looks like he's going to walk away with her and go back to her reality
0: she goes no don't you're just bewitched by her song to be fair when has joe meets a girl ever gone right hmm and if anyone would be stupid enough to try this in the name of I'll save her, possibly with my dick, it would be Joe. <sighs> I, I, you know,
1: again, we've we've harped on the fact that Joe feels very ace.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, so, canonically, he, he canon- definitely is. But <laughs> I, I'm just joking about that because I'm being incredibly crude.
1: No, I, I get it. I get it. It's just for for some reason, it just feels like the the. The reason that like Francois is in the way she phrases it, like being bewitched, it feels like a little bit like she's like a little bit jilted in this scenario, which is kind of it just doesn't
0: feel right either. And with that, let's go into another. This doesn't feel quite right. Episode frozen ground. Mm-hmm. So uh, we start out with the opening to Secret of Mana. And it's pretty one-to-one. A bunch of kids pass a waterfall on a bridge. Most of them talk about how one of them is an outsider, and don't you dare fulfill that prophecy, outsider, or we're all in trouble. And then one passes over the ridge and gets attacked by Mantis Ant in a crevasse. Yep. Meanwhile, we cut to the news, because that's how every episode that we don't have a transition out of the cold open starts. And Japan is suffering from a water shortage. The mountains are not thawing this year. Rivers are beginning to dry up as a literal glacier forms in the heights. And
1: they're saying it's spreading, too. It's not just that stuff didn't freeze. It's like this is a there's a glacier growing in the middle of the summer.
0: Yeah. So Gilmore, Joe and Chang, because of course you bring Chang when you need to deal with the glacier, all go up into the mountains and discover a Naruto-ass retro Japanese village. And you know, like, the way they get Chang, like, in this
1: episode, essentially, is he's complaining that he can't get the mushrooms he needs for his restaurant. This dude is obsessed with mushrooms. This has to be, like, the third episode he talks about
0: mushrooms. To be fair, as someone who has started doing a lot more vegetable-based cooking, you would be amazed how versatile mushrooms are. Oh, I love mushrooms, but, like, he's saying my restaurant will fail if I don't have mushrooms. I could see that, though. (laughs) Uh,
1: Also, weirdly, I didn't bring it up before, but they say he makes gyoza in his Chinese restaurant, and that tripped me up.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know, let's just pretend that Chang is uh, Oriental-inspired cuisine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, he's just you know tailoring you know things to the local uh, populace. That makes sense.
0: But <laughs> Gilmore is coming along because somebody attacked the scientists who were researching the glacier, and damn it, he has pride as a scientist. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's also an old man, and that does come up in this episode
1: <laughs> multiple times.: even on the the uh, the next up uh, reel before this, he like breaks his back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the actual (laughs) the actual preview for this episode is Gilmore talking about how, well, I'm going to go on an adventure, too. And everyone's just like, Gilmore, you're an old man. Please don't. We can do so much more without you. (laughs) (laughs) And living in this village now is an artist who makes some goth ass paintings Mm-hmm. He cautions all of them off investigating further due to a local legend, but he's also a giant prick. Totally. Like
1: when, like when they show up. Uh, apparently, one of the dudes they're going to talk to is the guy who gets the mushrooms for Chang. Yeah, uh, and he says he's like, "Oh man, no mushrooms means I got I gotta like sell my house and leave."
0: <laughs> yeah, this uh, is destroying this village, which is kind of a resort, but with mm-hmm. no ability to get water for the hot springs or anything mm-hmm. they can't do much yeah
1: the dude also like straight up hits his kid <laughs> on camera
0: yeah the artist not the, <laughs> the no
1: no guy. no the other the other guy the, the mushroom guy like punches the kid in the top of the head like com- uh, comedically
0: oh uh, right yeah because why were you all in that co- crevasse fighting yeah. Antisant? yeah and i was about to
1: say like it definitely had the the artist when he drags his son away definitely has the energy of i'm about to beat you with a belt yes Although I don't think he does.
0: So, Gilmore just quietly steals this man's snow gear and keeps going with the cyborgs? hmm And the show will immediately telegraph that the boots Gilmore stole match footprints we saw in this cave earlier. Yep. So, this is when a giant arctic snake begins following the cyborgs. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, atop the mountain, the artist gets cash-hucked at him from a car... And the figure inside shoots at his dog just to prove that he is either evil and or Dio.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, like. Yeah. And 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 his son sees this happen. Like, his yeah, son, his like, son like, watches looking...
0: this from a ridge.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the, and the father's like, the artist, he, he's like, I can't use this. What are you doing? And then just, yeah, just hucked a, a bunch of a lot of bills onto the snow and then, yeah, shot at the dog so it would stop barking. Thankfully, so... yes. Thankfully, he did not kill the dog.
0: Yep. He just, you know, Warning shot.
1: That's how you know this is not a
0: JoJo's. That's true. The dog lived. <laughs> so there's a giant mad science device inside the glacier, which is freezing things. Not a surprise. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Chang has an idea. If I wreck this, my business can resume, so let me burn it. And mm-hmm. thankfully, Gilmore came along because he's the only one who thinks through the consequences and goes... We need to turn this off slowly or we're going to flood half of Japan as this all rushes down at once.
1: And I think this is like a really interesting dilemma to set up because I think every other time we run into something like this in the show, the answer is, well, blow it up. And this is the first time you can't just blow it up because that'll have its own consequences.
0: Gilmore starts looking for controls on the device and the snake reveals itself. Within seconds, it is revealed to be a robot because nobody makes anything flame-proof that isn't a yellow scarf or a red coat these days, so Mm -hmm. Chang burns off its exoskeleton.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's a, you know, like a a lot of um, reptilian robots we've seen in the show, it shoots missiles out of its mouth. And uh, uh, Joe does the fun thing of going into accelerator mode, grabbing the missiles, turning them around, and then shooting them back at the snake. Uh, Although, like, he he has, like, a really sick, like, point-blank shot with three missiles, and, like, he, like, aimed one of them from his armpit.
0: (laughs) Yup. Joe is getting very good at the accelerator thing, it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody realizes in time that the snake is the control panel. It has a fail-deadly option where it starts spitting lava through the machine to melt everything immediately on death. Hardcore. I gotta admit, (laughs) In terms of, and let's just spoil the ending now, Black Ghost plans, this is a pretty good one for causing chaos. Yeah, but the thing I don't understand is what does it do that they
1: want? Like, did they want to cause a water shortage? Is that really the, was that the point?
0: uh, Yeah, the whole thing was they were trying to create a bunch of unrest in major cities because of the fact that there was nothing anyone could do without water, and the resource scarcity would cause profits for them.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But that feels like a long way to go around to,
0: like, just create a little bit of havoc. But, you also notice this is way more subtle and thought out than a lot of Black Ghost plans, to the point that it has, mm-hmm. alright, if someone if someone stops this, or if someone turns on us, it has an option that will screw them. It's...
1: Yeah, I guess it's better than just we start wars and fun both sides.
0: Yeah, this is a very good way to profit off of human misery that is not just the Twitter. old M.O. <laughs> but uh, at this point, uh, a masked figure who totally isn't a beatnik artist tries to snipe the trio with a laser rifle. Joe, I went the speed of light last week, you know, Shimamura immediately stops this because he sees the glint on the rifle and just does the, you know, walk behind the guy, chop him in the shoulder to stop the shot. Mhm. And uh it's a it's a he points out it's a laser rifle, so it's not just like
1: any rifle.
0: Yeah, this this probably would have blown Gilmore's head off if he hadn't been stopped. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The mm. village begins flooding because the glacier is melting. And the artist realizes he knows where the controls are. But in attempting to reach the shrine they're hidden in, he encounters eight robot masters, each deadlier than the last. However, Flashman <laughs> and Heatman right here fuck these things up in seconds because they're not mm-hmm. human.
1: And we we saw these before, um, like, hinted at. Because it, it wasn't the snake that was, like, blowing up the glacier when people were, you know, exploring it. It was uh, this... Um, I, what is, I forget what he... He looks like a specific monster and i can't really name it but it's like let's just like, say yeti. answers on its head yeah 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 something like that uh but yeah that it was a it was a bit where like the artist covered it and said oh it's like uh what was it like the benson effect or something uh yeah. branson effect where it's like you see your image projected into a, a into like a snow gust and you think a giant uh creature is chasing you but it turns out no that, that there are actual robots in the snow that are not the snake that protect the mountain
0: and the dog and the cyborgs save this guy enough that he can get to the shrine where they hid the emergency fix catastrophe button. The flood flash freezes above the village in waveform, saving everything at the last second. Mm-hmm. So he said that he was given a simple task because it turns out being an artist who draws incredibly weird gothed up Cure album covers in a remote village does not pay a working wage mm-hmm. so someone went we're going to put a machine here monitor the machine make sure it keeps working we'll give you a monthly salary he didn't know what it did but he was really happy to turn on him when they stiffed him and then went murder an old man too <laughs> yeah I, I would imagine that like, he probably covered up
1: for some murders but he de- he didn't perform any murders up to this point yeah, he, to, to him, orders. it's just
0: like, oh, uh, Snake did something. They must have, they must have fought first.
1: Yeah, or just, you know, you know better than to go up there. <laughs> you don't go up there, or else, you know, you'll die.
0: But at this point, the last things he says to his son are, have fun living with your aunt, and he turns himself in.
1: I mean, there is a nice bit where he hugs his son, being like, I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah they they had set up earlier that uh his aunt has been or his i guess it'd be his sister uh yeah. had been bugging to uh have the kid move in with her, and he was like, no, i gotta you know he has a weak constitution he needs to be up here in the mountains and stuff uh and then he's just like oh no I, yeah you gotta be your aunt sorry
0: <laughs> yeah i you know I tried to give you a living sorry <laughs> and that's why you
1: don't go into art professionally.
0: At least not in a remote village. I feel like he could have had a way better chance in the city. I mean, look,
1: you know, Etsy was not around at this time.
0: No, that's true. Yeah, maybe eBay, but I don't know. eBay eBay would have started, but I don't know how much reach it would have given you for art.
1: eBay is like hella old. It's like from 95 or something.
0: Oh yeah, I'm saying it was around. I just don't know how many people were going to what was then mostly an auction site. Going, I'm gonna buy oh, yeah. me some art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, put it up, buy it now. Yeah, nowadays it's you know a yeah. global marketplace that I mm-hmm. use multiple times to get around some stuff. But
1: <laughs> I haven't bought something on eBay in so so long.
0: Uh, if you want a good alternative for another certain global mega corporation eBay, far Uh from the worst thing you could do Sure
1: But, you know, they also own PayPal
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know The lesser of evils when you're trying to find functional items
1: You know, the last thing I think I bought on eBay Was uh, some figurines of, uh, like, the Beatles from the Yellow Submarine cartoon Nice Yeah, which are sitting in my office, which I haven't been to for eight months (laughs)
0: yeah that's uh that's a spicy meatball Mm -hmm. at least you're not having to get them back in banker's boxes with your name on them a la jeff Gersman. Oi. yep so let's close this episode out because we've left off a single detail which is that our trio Mm -hmm. of heroes have the last words to each other well fuck black ghost is definitely still alive this is no longer remnants now what and we just end So with that pos uh with that done, I, anything you got on this run that we didn't discuss?
1: I think we pretty much covered it. You know, there's just it's there's a few standalones here that feel like they're supposed to be, you know, you know character studies, but it doesn't feel like you get a lot of growth out of the characters in the process. It's a, they're kind of uneven. But like there's there's good bones here. Like there's some things to enjoy in this in this section
0: Mm. I again this has my favorite episode of the show I think that with the exception of City of Wind this is all a pretty good run and we've had worse standalones we've had worse periods of anime original Mm -hmm. filler I'm alright with this
1: yeah this isn't as bad as like the aliens
0: nothing here is aliens bad I think probably one of the worst episodes, other than the aliens, of season two is what we kick off next week with. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because we're going to be. This episode in... is bad. We're going to be back in two weeks with the thing you've all been waiting for—the worst possible lightning strikes thrice, no stop crossover imaginable.
1: Oh no! <laughs> yup. <laughs> lightning's going to show up in this.
0: How much did you like the part where Shadow Hearts ended on a time loop with someone marrying their, uh, and oh, birthing no. a kid?
1: No! Yeah. That doesn't sound, no.
0: Yeah. And it's a holiday special. Oh, boy. See you around. See you.
1: <laughs> oh, also listen to Lightning Strikes Thrice.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, you should you should listen to other shows on the Pitch Drop Network, which both of us are on various members of. And if you go to tentacle.pro, you can subscribe to our Patreon, where there are bonus shows which contain more Chris Taylor and mm-hmm. the FF14 show that has actually been sweeping the nation. Apparently. <laughs> hey, you know what? If it moves numbers and gets butts and seats, who am I to complain? I don't have to edit it.
1: Look, I told Chris when we first started Lightning Strikes thrice that like there's a reason why our Final Fantasy fifteen uh season was going to be way more popular than any of our thirteens seasons. It's true. <laughs> um but yeah, we're we're gonna start uh Xenosaga we've already recorded the first two episodes of uh the Xenosaga season, so that's gonna be coming out very soon if it's not out
0: uh, already. It's, it's out right now. Oh damn. Uh it's out right now or tomorrow because we've started setting up an alternating thing where on the week we record the other show we release the one so Chris already yeah. has the generalities episode out Yeah. usually we're like
1: recorded like four episodes ahead but uh, this has been a, a little bit different run here
0: this has been a wild year
1: it's been crazy yeah
0: yeah we, yeah. we tried we got a backlog we ate the backlog
1: mm-hmm hey, hey, hey Fletch should we watch yeah. Pretty Gar- Guardian Sailor Moon as a patron, only uh, season.
0: You know what? If we're gonna do anything that would basically just be the two of us, that feels like far from the worst idea. Because I, I, I mean, don't think Chris would come along for that.
1: I also, well, of course not. But also, I I don't think that. Uh, you know, speaking of Chris's, I I don't think Sailor Business is gonna do it.
0: No, the, it looks like they're not. That show. Um, Really cratered at the end, yeah Yeah, and some of it has to do with the world But it's kind of wild that Xena Business has become a more reliable show on that network Man, I just Well, here's the
1: thing Season 5, Sailor Stars Is just not very good (laughs) It's mostly a rehash
0: So here's the problem with the anime half of it On everything else after the second arc they basically let the manga go ahead Mm -hmm. and they could just adapt from there. So they they had to do some filler sometimes because we're still adapting like 12 chapters into a full season. But they had the arc, they had the structure, they didn't have to guess. With Sailor Stars, they have to guess based on Mm -hmm. where the first two chapters go and that's it. Yeah,
1: I just feel like... The formula of the show became so much more apparent and tired that season, where we saw the same things. And they, and they tried to capture some of that first season magic by getting rid of uh, Mamoru and basically putting in Mamoru
0: 2.0. Well, here's the thing pretty quickly in the manga, you just get confirmation that.
1: We should probably save this talk for if we do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, let's let's see if we can't figure out a way to make that scheduling work. Like we can we can probably work out something. I would love to do that because I so very weird. much enjoy Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. If anyone doesn't know, there was in the mid 2000s a tokusatsu adaptation of Sailor Moon by Toei, mm-hmm. the actual people who do most of the Kamen Rider Super Sentai stuff. Yep. And it ran 50 episodes and it only adapts the first series of Sailor Moon but it goes in such wildly different directions with it than anything else
1: it's such a weird artifact too because it's so goofy
0: and it did not succeed they they have no. never released it past the original dvd releases it's never gotten an hd upgrade Apparently some of the uh,
1: the actresses uh, did all right after that. Like some of them were like first timers and like they had careers after that. So,
0: yeah, it wasn't a complete yeah. failure. But it's just uh, it did not make the money they were thinking with. We'll do tokusatsu for girls. And uh, then yeah. a little after that, they came up with Pretty Cure, which did that formula a lot better.
1: I still can't believe that Queen Barrel is played by a, an actress who ended up doing, like, a softcore porn remake of a 70s uh, BDSM film. Ah, uh,
0: no, that's more common than you'd know.
1: Okay, maybe, maybe that is true, but that was a, that was a surprise to me.
0: <laughs> that's not even the wildest thing that has happened to a female actress in a tokusatsu production under Toei. Alright, hit me. What's the weirdest? The weirdest is when they had to remove one of the female leads from a series of Common Rider because it turned out that she was in a doomsday cult. Wow. Yes, mid-series. Huh. Yes. Interesting. It turns out after that whole Um Shinrikyo thing, uh, you can end your career pretty fast if you get in with a doomsday cult in Japan.
1: Yeah, I... I guess it's part of it's put in the contracts now like there's there's a doomsday cult clause.
0: And for what it's worth, uh, a thing we might want to cover sometime on this show is the time Ikuhara did a series that also touched on post Om Shinrikyo uh, Penguin Drum.
1: You know what? I've been curious about Penguin Drum, but not like should I watch Penguin Drum before or after Yurikuma?
0: Before, I think Yurikum is his weakest work.
1: It sounds like it. I, I've been listening to uh, the uh, Imagine Me and uh, Yutana coverage of that show, and it seems real weird.
0: Yeah. I think that dude needs 26 episodes to give his ideas room to breathe, so that one being so short really kneecaps it.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't work as well as intended.
0: Well, that's the thing. He's done plots about lesbians and teen romance and queers and a lot of other stuff before. It basically just feels like Utena cast-offs. I heard Zeruzanmai was better. I actually haven't seen that one. I was waiting on it after how bad Yurikuma burned me.
1: Uh, I was told... I, I have the sense that it's better regarded than
0: Yurikuma. That would not be hard. I guess that's fair. Yurikuma is, if you like it, you really like it, but most people do not like it. Just the the
1: descriptions of the the dripping imagery is, like, very (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) I've heard descriptions of it, and I'm still like, I am embarrassed already.
0: Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if if you are unsure of what we are discussing, this will tell you a lot. Yurikuma Arashi would literally translate to "lesbian bear storm." Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of eating of people.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of eating of mm-hmm, people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of flower imagery. A, a lot, lot of flower imagery. Extremely yonic. And, and
1: dripping honey. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> subtle. It basically is telling you at all turns. This is what it means. Are you ready for these metaphors?
1: Man, like they're so literal. They're probably not even really
0: metaphors. Eh, the the bears are kind of metaphors for That's like true. predators, but <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah. Weird.
1: Anime yeah. is weird. Anime is weird. Ikuhara is weirder. Yeah, we've covered very, like...
0: I mean, I guess Ava gets weird, but it doesn't get weird. Ava gets weird in the way of a very bipolar director Mm -hmm. trying to make do with what he has, and Ano is a talented man who can pull that out. Ikuhara is a talented man who continues doing things that burn bridges with studios in a way that he gets less rope to hang himself with each time. (laughs) Yep. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll cover things. We might do another sideshow for those patrons, so maybe take a look at tentacle.pro. We'll see ya. Peace.